No? Well, stand up so they can see you. Just wave your hand, Mimi. Come on. Mimi. That's Serena, good friend. Serena, that's your good friend or your cousin? Cousin. I should know when I start dealing with the um, Obaniah family. It's just everybody that's there with just call them family. You know, (laughs) they've got a big family. Good to see you, Mimi. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Amen. All right. It's time to get into the word of the Lord. Don't forget, just want to mention one last time, our Connect Ministries uh, meeting today after service. Please, if you are one of those individuals that you feel the passion and you feel uh, God is wanting you to get involved with connecting people to the body of Christ through this ministry. As I talked about Thursday night, um, all of us who become born-again Christians are disciples of Christ. If we are born-again Christians and we're following him, we are disciples of Christ. And disciples automatically make other disciples. So that's just who we are as a child of God. But if you want to get into the ministry, the connect ministry, which is to help people assimilate into the body of Christ within the structure of this church, then we welcome you to meet with us today. And if it's not your thing, don't feel obligated. Don't feel pressed to do it. It's okay. But if you do, we want you to be a part because um, I'm serious about the kingdom of God. And um, I always challenge myself. Um, I feel like um, within my secular job, I feel like I put a lot of effort into my secular job uh, to get things done. And I will never, ever do anything more than what I do for God. And so if I'm going to put a lot of effort into my secular job, I'm going to definitely um, do more than that when it comes down to the things of God. And so that's just how I feel about that. And so if you get involved with ministry, whatever that ministry is that you feel drawn to, you feel passionate about, be, be faithful, be committed to it, because remember, you do it unto the Lord. You are saying to the Lord, God, you saved me. Remember what I've always said to you, that if all the Lord wanted you to be is saved and go to heaven, then when you got saved, he would have just took you to heaven right that day. So if that's not what happened, that the day you got saved, he didn't bring you to heaven that day, it must mean there's some other things that's involved. So the bottom line is you need to seek the Lord to see what should you be involved with until he brings you home. Amen? And so we need to think about those things. Hallelujah. Stand with me and let's get our Bibles, our electronic devices, or look on the overhead screen, the projector screen, and go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. See, I'm wearing my shirt this morning. I see a lot of people, a few people wearing their shirts. Can you see what it says? What it says on it? All right, we'll talk about that a little bit today. You know, everything I try to do, I try to do on purpose, Stacy. I just don't. Very, very seldom I do something and you ask me, why you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I, do, I have those moments now. I'm human. I have those moments. But my personality is as such that most of what I do, it was supposed to be that way. I, I really intended to do it that way. And so I wore my T-shirt this morning over my suit and my T-shirt say, be apostolic. Amen. 
Ephesians chapter 2, we'll start in verse number 18. The word of the Lord says, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. I've entitled today's message, You Have a Heritage, Embrace It. You have a heritage. Tell your neighbor, you got a heritage. Tell your other neighbor, you've got a heritage. Now embrace it. Amen. Your family heritage refers to the term birthright. A birthright refers to the rights of privileges that one has because of being born in a certain family or household or nation. Family heritage also refers to a specific tradition or culture passed down throughout the ages. Different cultures often have very opinions of their perception of family heritage. Check this out. In England, for example, the idea of family heritage continues to remain intact as the royal family still sits upon the highest pinnacle of the governmental structure. In the caste society of India, the group or place in society that a person belongs to has already been chosen for them at birth. In this culture, a person's station in life, the type of job they will have, and who they will marry is decided by their socioeconomic status, which is determined by their caste level. Heritage is what is handed down or transferred from one generation to another. Heritage refers to inheritance, birthright, or a legacy. Heritage handed to the next generation is the measure of its impact and importance. If you believe in your heritage, you will seek to hand it down. When you go in a family, usually the women are good at it. Men are not that good. Once in a while you get a man that will do it. But most of the time in a family, women are very good at telling you the family history. What they're trying to do is hand down the heritage to keep it going. 
and they, they wanted to be preserved. And so in order to get their heritage preserved, they, they tell the stories. They, they teach what happened to the next generation. And they're, they're teaching it because they want the next generation to hand it down as well. They want their family heritage to be preserved. And so they tell what the history of the family is. They tell all that, that transpired. And so they want it to be preserved. They want what, what has transpired and how the family has been to continue. Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat history. Those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. This scriptural passage come to my mind when I think about that. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. That's Psalms 145 verse 4. If we know our history, there is a better chance that we will repeat the successful events and not the mistakes of other generations. So if we begin to tell people about our history, pass down to the next generation our heritage, our history, we will do a really good job in repeating the good things and not repeating the mistakes and the bad things. Today we are so consumed with the here and now and so consumed about yourself and what you think you can accomplish and you feel like you don't have to worry about this and you don't have to worry about that because you're smart enough, you're intelligent enough to do this and to do that and so you kind of just I don't need to hear all of that and I know about that that happened to the family and yeah I know about this and we have all kind of the reasoning and rationality behind our thoughts about our family history our heritage and we have all kind of thinking some of us saying my family's just a mess and others saying I don't want to do what they did but if you don't find out the true history the true heritage of your family you're going to find yourself self-repeating the negative in that family history. The elders see it all the time. Man, you're just like your grandfather. Maybe that elder should have been schooling that younger about the history, the heritage of that family so he wouldn't or she wouldn't begin to repeat the errors and mistakes of their grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we watch our family fail. We watch our family get destroyed. We watch our family just become immobilized because we never pass down the history. I don't care if the history was bad or good in this society I'm talking about. We still need to let them know about the heritage because why? They will be keen not to repeat the mistakes. It's okay to tell them your great-grandfather drank a lot. And so you have to be careful. You don't want to mess around alcohol because your great-grandfather was an alcoholic. And so we need to make sure you stay away from that kind of stuff. Or your great-grandfather smoked a lot of marijuana. So we need to make sure you stay away from that stuff. Or whatever it is, we need to say it. 
But we also need to say, guess what? Your great-grandfather was a preacher. And I see something in you, and you can be a preacher just like him. And so you need to make sure you keep going to church. You need to make sure you listen to the Word of God. You need to make sure you read your Bible. Because if your great-grandfather was such a great man, I believe you can be even greater. We need to pass that down as well. (laughs) Our heritage, we have one. And we need to pass it down, not sit on it. When you're in God, you got to realize you don't have to be embarrassed about things that you did or your family did. The Bible says that when we are in Christ, we are new creatures. All things are passed away. And so I'm not embarrassed about what I used to do. I'm not embarrassed about what I've done. I'm not embarrassed about what my family has done. Because guess what? If we all become born again of the water and of the Spirit, if we all turn our lives around, then what we did then doesn't matter. Because now we are new creatures in Christ. We can change the dynamic of what our family history and our family heritage was. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord. A godly heritage, particularly the New Testament apostolic heritage, must be transferred to the next generation. If we don't transfer this thing down, we're going to find ourselves in a lot of trouble. We find ourselves in a lot of trouble today, and we don't realize this because what they said, America was built and found on God. For those of you that don't know, if you do the study, you'll see it's godly people that discovered America. And today we want to say, man, America's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, how did it get there when it was founded on godly morals and values? Because it wasn't being passed down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we got to pass down this godly heritage. We cannot pass down anything we don't possess. So we have to start thinking and challenging ourselves to say, Am I not passing something down? Am I I not passing something on because I really don't have anything to pass on? I should have something to pass on, but uh, if I'm not passing it on, then maybe I don't have something that I should be passing on. We must first possess our godly apostolic heritage that we are able to pass it on. And so today I'm here to tell everybody in this church under the sound of my voice, you need to obtain your godly heritage if you plan to pass it on to the next generation because you can't pass on what you don't have. But if you will get a hold of your godly heritage and grab it and say, I'm a child of God, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you begin to follow him. If you live that life on that those kind of premises, 
this, uh, then you will have something to pass on. Uh, I don't know about you in here today. Uh, I don't have riches. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of property that I own. Uh, and so I don't have much to pass on uh, when I leave here. Uh, but I know uh, if I keep following Jesus, uh, if I keep living for Jesus, uh, if I hold on to God's unchanging hand, uh, if I stay uh, in the path of righteousness, uh, if I keep going and following God, uh, I know when I leave here, uh, I will leave the greatest thing I could ever pass on uh, to my family, to my children, uh, to all that I know. Uh, I want to pass this legacy, uh, this heritage on uh, that says that I'm a Pentecostal apostolic person. I want to pass that on. Clap your hands unto the Lord. We grab a hold of this thing. Have you made up in your mind that you're going to enjoy living for God? Come on, somebody. Have you made up in your mind? Sister Jones said to me, she had such a great time with the ladies the other day that she was just so thankful to God because when she really realized it, because, you know, when you first come to church, I think we all have done it, so she's not in a boat by herself. I think when we all come to church, we think church folk are just boring and corny and never do anything. Can I get an amen in the house? Come on, you know when you came to church, you looked around and saw all those people and said, what do they do? Do they have fun? I mean, all they seem like they do is talk in tongues and go to church and run around and act crazy. They don't seem like they have a good time at all. They got to wear this and wear that and don't wear this. What are they doing? Do they ever have a good time? Well, Sister Jones says, I found out they do have a good time. I remember when I found out, too, they do have a good time. Do you remember when you hung around the church people long enough, you realize, oh, they do have a good time. Well, I'm here to tell you today, uh, if you hang around the people of God long enough, uh, you will begin to enjoy this life and realize uh, there is no life that's better than this one. Uh, There is no life that can top this one. Uh, We've got a heritage that we need to secure. Uh, We've got a heritage uh, that we need to possess, uh, and we need to live it out, uh, and we need to pass it on uh, to all who we can pass it on to. Hallelujah. Those of us who have been born again, meaning we have the revelation of who Jesus is, and because of it, we saw what we needed to do. We saw ourselves, you know, Until we can be honest, we're not, we're not normally honest people. I said normally. Okay, key word, underline that. Don't say the preacher say you're not honest. I said normally. So sometimes you are honest, but a lot of times you're not. And so because of that, Without even realizing it, we deal with Jesus the same way. So a lot of times we go before the Lord and we're still trying to, we don't even realize what we're doing. We're still trying to commune with him or some, some interact with him and withholding stuff. And he's standing there like, what do you think you're talking to, sister so-and-so? Who do you think you're talking to? What? 
And he's just smiling because the, Bi- the Bible call him, calls him omniscient. He's all-knowing. The Bible says he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere all at once. The Bible calls him omnipotent. He's all-powerful. All power is in his hand. So how do we stand before him and forget what we've done and who we are? And so, if we're going to get saved, born again, we, the only way you can be born again, truly be born again, is to get a good revelation, a good understanding of who Jesus is. Because when you get an understanding of who Jesus is, all you do is put your head down. And you start saying, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. If you don't come to that place and realize you're a mess, you can't get saved. If we stay in a place of, well, I'm not that bad because look at her. I mean, I mean, I do some things wrong sometimes. But when you think about those people over there, I'm okay. If that's how you think, you can't be saved. You didn't get a revelation of who Jesus is. But the day you get a revelation of who Jesus is and you realize that he is so holy that you are so unholy. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is and realize he's so righteous and you're so unrighteous. Oh God. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is and realize you have no power and he has all power. When you get a revelation and know who he is and realize you can do nothing without him because the breath that you breathe, he gave it to you. When you realize these things, you realize I need Jesus, the one who created us and stretched forth the heavens and the earth, the one who establishes church. I need that guy. And that's how we start the process of getting saved. But some of us, hold on to your horses this morning, some of us just follow the instructions of what to do to get saved, but you never really got a revelation. I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, you need to pray and say, God, uh, I need a revelation of who you are. God, I need to understand who you are. God, I need to know who you really are for myself. I know these people know you. I know those other people know you. But let me, God, know you up close for myself. You need that revelation. Because when you get that revelation, that's what makes you say, I got to get my life together. And you will start to follow him. Because listen to this. Ooh, here's something. How many people did you invite to church or you talk to about Jesus and they says, yes, I know I have to get my life together. They don't have a revelation of Jesus. You can't have a revelation of Jesus and say, you got to get your life together. When you get the revelation of Jesus, you realize only he can get my life together. (laughs) This is why you decide, I've got to get saved because I can't get my life together. Only he can do it. As long as we walk this walk and live in this world and think we have the answer and don't realize only God has the answer, we can never really get saved. And so until we get the revelation of Jesus Christ, we have no hope. 
Till we get the revelation of Jesus Christ, we won't understand what peace is. Until we get the revelation of Jesus Christ, we will just continue to walk and live in disobedience and rejection of his word. And so we need the revelation of Jesus Christ. But when we get the revelation of Jesus Christ, guess what we do? We go and say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I have sinned and lived in sin. I realize I've rejected your word. I realize I've treated you terribly after all you've done for me. I realize, almighty God, that if I keep going in the way that I'm going, I'm going to destroy myself. I'm going to destroy my heart and destroy others with me and God I won't get to heaven if I don't get this right. Will you help me? And then God will instruct us that we need to repent of our sins which is to turn around from going in the direction that we're going in and start to go in the direction of Christ. Turn around and go his way and say Lord will you forgive me of my sins? Will you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? God I will follow you if you will just lead me. If you will God me and God says I will and then you get get what you get baptized see how you see how way down the road the baptism is some of us like to tell people you need to be baptized can, can I tell you this give you a little bit of our meeting today for those of you that won't be a part of the meeting here's a little bit of the meeting until you be you 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 you, you get things in common with people, be careful how you address them. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because I study Jesus. And Jesus, Almighty God, even he made sure we're on even footing here. Let's get something in common here. And as I get something in common, you will begin to trust me a little, and I will talk to you a little, and then we can begin to get into some deeper things. But he just never got into deep things with people it was, yeah. Go look at the woman at the well. He started talking about water. Now, he knew he wasn't there to talk about water. Come on, somebody help me this morning. Jesus didn't go to that well and talk about water. He wasn't, he, he, yeah, he was a little hungry, but he wasn't there to talk about water. Dude was there to reach this woman that's been rejected. She was married five times, so, and the sixth one wasn't her husband. So he was there to reach a lost soul. Not get water. But how did he start the conversation? Oh, help me somebody. Oh, help me. He started the conversation by getting something in common. If we're going to show each other love, if we're going to help each other get Christ, if we're going to connect each other with Christ, we're going to have to get some footing of having things in common before we start telling, you know you need to go to church. Don't, don't, don't go telling people you know you need to go to church. I, I got How many times I got to teach y'all wisdom? If you see somebody doing something wrong, just pray for them. Because I always take this position. Nine times out of ten, they know they're doing wrong. Y'all be smart. I don't think we have too many people that, 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 that's just crazy not knowing when they're doing wrong. You think if somebody come to know about God and start living for God, you think they don't know they should go to church? You don't think they know they should go to church? So if they ain't going, just leave it alone right there. To be smart and says, all right, okay. Let me try to get some equal footing. Let me gain some some real uh, relationship and connection with this person. 
Because the only way I'm going to help them to get to church is when them and I, so we make it so complicated. Why do we get stupid after we get saved? What, what do you mean by that, preacher? What do you mean by that? I'm going to show you because I'm not trying to insult you. I'm going to show you. Before Christ, we seeked out people who liked the same kind of music we liked. Before Christ, we seeked out people that was kind of like us so we can hang with them. You like to go to bars. I like to go to clubs. So I don't want to hang with the bar people. I want to hang with the people that go to the clubs. You like to go to the clubs that you can go to anywhere, any kind of way. I want to go to clubs where you got to wear your shoes and a sports jacket. We seek out the people that kind of relate to how we do things. And, and so guess what? We befriend them. And then they say, girl, where you going? Yeah, I'm going down to the cat club. Oh, how's the cat club? Oh, girl, you don't know. Cat club is good. A lot of guys there. And it's just nice. It's not hot in there. And people are just, you know, just kind of, you know, they're just nice people. And no fighting ever break out because everybody's dressed nice. Can I come with you? Yeah, yeah, I'll drive. I'll give you some gas money. You see how far we gone? We became buddies. So why we come to church and see people don't even really know I'm good? You go, you need to go to church. You didn't change the whole. You didn't do it like you used to do it. What happened? You see what I'm saying? We get saved and get crazy. No, the same thing still work because what we don't realize is the things that we were born with, the attributes, their characteristics that God gave us for his glory and for his will. And we just messed them up and did what we wanted for ourselves. But if we go back and think uh, some of the things we did, it was for the kingdom, but we did it for ourselves and for the world system. And so how we got someone to hang with us. Is the same way now in church. Do it that way. Don't do it the way you're doing it because you know the word of God and you've been in church 10 years, 15 years. You, you need to go to church. Or I'll do this and get off it real quick. Or if you ain't see somebody in church in about three weeks, where you been? Why you wasn't in church? Can't do that either. So here's what I do. If you want to, you know, copy that. I try to make sure I have a relationship with everyone in here. So if I haven't seen you in a while, you know what I call you and say? Hey, I miss you. I ain't say, nah, worry about church. I just I miss you. And if I have to, I go wherever they are, job or house. How you been? What's going on? Everything all right? You need anything? I ain't talking to them about church. Now, do they feel like pastor trying to get me to come to church? Yeah, they probably feel like that. But I still didn't say church to them. So they don't have to feel offended like, yeah, all you want me to do is come to church. You never even think about my problems and what I'm going through. Yes. So we got to be sharper than that. We can't just be, you know, telling them where they've been and you need to be, it's like smacking them upside the head. You're not literally doing it, but that's how they feel. Don't do that to people. Work with them. Because you're so lazy to become friends with people, don't be taking out your laziness on people because that's what it really comes down to. you lazy and you don't want to put the time in to work with somebody and love somebody and, and just be gracious to somebody. You just think you want a quick fix. That nah, don't work that way. I told you Thursday night, it's hard work to disciple people. 
but you did it when you was in the world. So don't act now like you can't do it now. You even paid for people to get in the club. $15. I got you. I got you. You, you ready for this one? You know why I can come to church and give away my money? got my last 20 and I'm going to give it away. You know why I can do that? No, no, no. You know why I can do that? Let me tell you why I can go to church and give away my money. My mom, even my witness. See, me, 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 you get the $20. Let me, let, me t- let me tell you why I can do it. I walked in the clubs. Whatever club I walked in, people was glad when I walk in, buy them drinks. And that's just how I do it. Those who knew me, BC, knew that's how I did. Buy them drinks. I'm supplying the drinks. You think I'm going to come to Christ and be stupid now? And act any different and worry about giving money away or treating people to eat or treating people to hey, are you crazy? I'm not I'm not going I am not going to serve God less than how I serve the world and myself. God gotta get more than everybody else. And now that I'm living for Jesus, it ain't nothing for me to give, it ain't nothing for me to sacrifice my time. It's nothing because I did that before Christ. We have a heritage, and we need to embrace it. That old heritage, get rid of that stuff. Let's move on to bigger and better things. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Our earthly heritage is bound to our parents, their parents, and those who came before them as far back as Adam. Mm Mm-hmm. According to a recent statistics, everyone in the world today is no farther kin than 50th cousin. All seven plus billion of us, all of us are 50th cousin at the very worst case scenario. So we're all cousins at the very least. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you married your cousin. Uh huh. A godly heritage of mercy from God extends to thousands of generations while iniquity stays with a family until the third and fourth generation. What do you mean by that, preacher? It means if your family was just a sinful family, never lived for God, it takes three to four generations to wipe that away and get that together, get that straightened out. But if your family live for God and keep passing that on, that can be forever until Jesus returns. So it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we are living this godly life that he has given to us and live this godly lifestyle and say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this heritage and I'm going to keep on passing it on. I'm going to keep on passing it on because it will last a lifetime until Jesus returns. But if I go and start living a sinful life, that will cripple my family for three and four generations. One generation, we can just be easy and just go with today's. Not, not even what the Bible says. We can just go with today's stuff. They say, well, we can go with 70. Just say one generation is 70 years. Let's just say that. Three sevens, 21, that's 210 years. And if you go four, that's 280 and, 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 and years 
that sin could reign in your family if the Lord tarries. It would take that long to get rid of it. So we need to just embrace this godly heritage and let it work for us. Redemption. This is good. A godly heritage, if followed by each successive generation, will bring the mercy of God upon your family to eternity. Your family is the only thing you can take with you to heaven. And everybody that you discipled, that got saved. So you're not going to heaven with anything else. You're not going to heaven with your car. You're not going to heaven with your bling bling. Your bling bling. You're not going to heaven with your house. Matter of fact, if you do right, you got a house made of gold. It's a mansion. So you're not taking any of that stuff. But you can take your family. Those that you have passed this heritage on. So even if when you die and go on, if the Lord tarry, you can, generation upon generation, still making it in because you kept living for God. Just think about that. You keep living for God and you die and go to heaven and the Lord is waiting to reap the harvest and, and bring everybody home. And as we're waiting, more family getting saved, more family, because of you. Oh man, I can see that. Redemption comes into clearer focus when God manifested himself in flesh. Listen to this, because this is interesting. God became Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. Right? To be a part of the heritage, one must be a part of the family. I'm amazed by him. Don't I, don't I tell you all the time I'm amazed by him? God had to be a part of the human DNA to be the Kingsman Redeemer. All right, Bible scholars, you all know what I'm talking about. A Kingsman Redeemer is one who can redeem the family if the family's in a bad situation. I preached about this not long ago. And, and so the Kingsman Redeemer can redeem the family from a bad situation. Right? But the Kingsman Redeemer have to be a family member. And Jesus, our almighty God, thought about every possible way to work his plan so we can be saved. So he, he is what we call the Kingsman Redeemer. He's the Savior. We can, he has all these titles. But one of the things he didn't leave out was, for me to redeem you all, I had to be in the DNA of y'all. So when people say, how did God become man? One of the ways to reach us and redeem us, he had to become man. He had to be a part of the family in order to reach the family, to save the family. So he became like us so he can be considered the Kingsman Redeemer. Man, God, what didn't he think of? Don't even go down there because he, that's not possible. He knows everything. He didn't think of everything. He knows everything. <laughs> you and I think. God knows. Just think about this. The God that we serve, how he operates. You and I gather information, process it, and try to figure out what to do with it. He knows everything. He don't gather anything. He don't process anything. <laughs> what kind of God do we serve? We will know that when we get to heaven because he don't process anything. He knows everything. Jesus' mission was to find a bride. Made ready to live 
in eternity with him. Pentecost was to put Jesus in the heart of his bride. The day of Pentecost is a part of our apostolic heritage. Listen, Mary, somebody say Mary, the mother of Jesus experienced Pentecost by being infilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and talked with tongues. She was in the upper room when the Holy Ghost first was poured out. So if you had a Catholic belief, you better find out if they know that Mary had the Holy Ghost and talked in tongues. Huh? What do you mean, Mary? Go back and read your Bible. Acts chapter 2. Pick up in verse 14, somewhere around in. Just read a little bit and you'll see Mary was in the upper room talking with tongues. If the mother of Jesus needed the new birth experience of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, everyone else, even those who think praying to Mary is important, needs to experience the new birth. The Pentecostal experience changed the disciples. The apostolic, I'm sorry, the apostles were Excellent examples of the life-changing experience and the power of Pentecost. They were still in doubt and some even left to go back fishing before Pentecost. I don't know if you remember Peter, the fisherman. He left, went back fishing. But all of that was before Pentecost. But after Pentecost, they showed their willingness to endure many trials and they, for the gospel's sake, kept on going. We need the Pentecostal experience in order to endure all of the trials and all of the temptation and all of the trials and all of the struggles. We need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost makes the difference. That's part of our heritage. And you don't have to worry about it. Some of us think, oh, I don't have it. Don't you worry. It's the Father's good pleasure to give it to you. We sung this morning, oh, how he loved us. Or we said, um, how much we know God loves us. Josiah play about how God loves us, what he'll do for us because he loves us. God loves you. And I don't care how long you have not yet received the Holy Ghost. Don't give up on it. It's your heritage. It's part of who you are. It's what has been handed down to you, passed down to you. You may not talk in tongues oh, a long time or have not spoken in tongues. Don't you worry. It's part of your heritage. And you will, you shall receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost talking with tongues. Because it's part of your heritage. In 1906 to 1909, William Seymour, at the Apostolic Faith Mission, 312 Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California, was a miracle from God. The structure they met in, listen, were we in a fire, firehouse? Azusa Street. 
the structure they met in was just a small frame building, 40 feet by 60 feet. The rent was $8 a month. Offering came from contributors putting money in a wooden box that was attached to the back wall with the words on it, settle with the Lord, written on it. As many as 600 people, 60 by 40, 600, 600, crammed inside for the meeting. And many more was peeping into the windows looking what's going on. The Holy Ghost was in control and services lasted late into the night every day of the week. We, we, we still struggling with Sundays and Thursdays and a little bit of prayer on Saturdays. Every day of the week till late night. They must not have had jobs, Pastor. We always got to look for an excuse because we can't do it. We think something is wrong when we can't do it. How you do that? Because I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, they didn't require a lot of them then. And because they didn't make a lot of money, they was in the structure seven days a week till late night, and we're not doing that. Let me move on. And so, Seymour preached from an old orange crate. This don't look like no old orange crate to me. And the powerful experience of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues fill the structure. Thousands were filled with the Holy Ghost at Azusa Street. Many mocked and scorned those who participated, but the movement grew to a worldwide revival. Church, can I say this to you? It's time we get to a place of not worrying, thinking that the majority is better than the minority. And we are trying to live for God, and we allow the majority, so we think anyway, to, 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 to cause us to, to either do or not do, because we're saying, well, they're not doing it. I can care less what anybody else is doing, whatever the Word of God says. I don't care who is doing or who not doing. If it's the Word of God, then I'm going to try to do. I will do, because this Bible thing is not the majority rules, but it's Jesus who rules. We want to make this about a majority. And so people, was in, they was in their little box with the little orange crate and they preaching Holy Ghost falling and people mocking and saying, oh, what's that all about? Go ahead and mock me, baby. I've got a revelation of who Jesus is. I know who he is. Go ahead and mock me. That day is coming when Jesus will split the sky and he will call home his people, the church of the living God, and they that's been filled with the Holy Ghost baptizing his name uh, and following him uh, will elevate out of this earth uh, and meet him in the air. Uh, so go ahead and mock me. Uh, go ahead and talk about me. Uh, I talk with tongues. Uh, I try to live holy. I try to live righteous. Uh, I want to go to church as much uh, as I can uh, because it's my heritage. It's my heritage. 
I'm not giving up my heritage. You know what some of these rich kids, we call them trust fund baby, Patrice. You know what some of these rich kids have to do to keep their inheritance? You can't do this. Don't talk to them. Dad, you can't talk to them or else you won't get your inheritance. You have to go to this school over here, not that school over there. You have no idea what these kids have to go through when they're born to rich people. Because the rich people say, you're going to keep this heritage. You're going to keep this legacy. And the way you keep it is, you do what all of us has done. We have a good friend, Josephine. She was here a couple weeks ago. Her family had told her she had to be a doctor. And she decided, I ain't being no doctor. Just telling you how certain families operate. This is what you got to do. Well, the word of God tells us what we got to do. We just need to embrace it. It's our heritage. I ain't worried about going to church no three days a week. I'm not worried about praying in tongues. I'm not worried about fasting and reading the word of God. I'm not worried about worshiping God. I'm not worried about loving people. I'm not worried about being a witness for Jesus. I'm not worried about it. It's my heritage. And the reward is so great. There is no greater reward than any one of us could ever receive than what we will get for our godly heritage. What a reward for such a great heritage. Many mocked as the Holy Ghost was being poured out in Azusa Street. They mocked and scorned those who participated. But the movement grew to a worldwide revival. Some of the early Azusa Street mission, Pentecostal, carried the message all over and preached all over. Part of your heritage is... You become a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher behind a platform, behind a podium. You don't have to be a preacher with a mic. John the Baptist didn't have a mic. And he was more powerful than all the preachers that we know. But he didn't have a mic. He was preaching in the wilderness. He had no nice robe on. But he was preaching up a storm. And so all of us, when we become born again and become part of this great godly heritage we become preachers but remember the greatest preacher is Jesus remember what I told you don't just go telling people you need to you need to take it another step further Jesus always offered something what you offering them Jesus offered her living water which was the Holy Ghost he offered her stuff he offered her things to be a part of the family. You telling people to go to church. And you, I guarantee you didn't follow up and say, listen, the stuff that God wants to do in your life, girl, if you go to church, you're going to see blessings like you ain't never. We, we probably didn't do that. We just go to church. You ain't been to church. You're a sinner. We don't even do like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus gave them hope, gave them incentives. To do stuff. You have a heritage. And you need to embrace it. And so. Here I go. To take this down. In verse 18. In Ephesians chapter 2. For through him. We both have access by one spirit unto the father. 
Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. I like this. We read past it earlier, but now we're going to look at it again. The Bible says, the writer of Ephesians, who is the Apostle Paul, he says, you're no more strangers and foreigners. What it means is if you're not a part of that body, that spirit, that, that, that spirit that baptizes, if we're not a part of the body, we are strangers and foreigners. But if we become a part of that body, we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens, a family of a nation, of a country, of a kingdom. Fellow citizens, that's who we become when we embrace this heritage of ours. Verse 20, and are built, here we go, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Let me help you out. Let me give you a little bit of Bible lesson and I close down real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Chapter 10, I mean verse 10 says this. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Apostle Paul talking. Apostle Paul talking. So I'm making it clear for you. So 1 Corinthians 3 and 10, the Apostle Paul says, God has given him grace so he can become a wise master builder. Paul is saying this now. I, I can slide in the word Paul. I, Paul, have laid the foundation. So the Apostle Paul said he laid the foundation. Remember, we just read, the Bible says, and are built up on the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Paul is proven to you what we just read. He says, I have laid the foundation. He's an apostle. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon, or thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Look at verse 11 now. For other foundations can no man lay. Paul said the foundation that I lay, ain't no other foundation. Ain't no other foundation. Ah. He says, no other foundation, right? So, so he says, for other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid, which is God, I call him all kind of things. He knows what I'm talking about. So here's another word I'm going to give him. He is crafty. You want to see how crafty he is? He says that we're built upon the apostles and prophets and him being the chief cornerstone. But he's also the foundation. <laughs> because the foundation that was laid, it says Jesus being the foundation. So what it's saying, here's a breakdown. The apostles and prophets taught us who Jesus was. And so that's what the church was established upon, was what they taught us, who Jesus is. So even though they, they laid the foundation, 
The foundation really was the word of God, who is Jesus. And so the foundation is really Jesus. And so the apostles are saying, we laid it. We're not it. We laid the foundation, but we're not the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. But understand, we do have an importance in it because we laid it and we're getting credit for laying it. And Jesus is backing us up on the laying of the foundation. So here is another part you can connect all in that. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I say unto thee also that thou art Peter. And upon this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus said, Peter, upon the revelation of me, again, the foundation is being built upon Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. The apostles were laborers who laid the foundation. And so... Today, we have the right to say we have inherited a Pentecostal apostolic heritage. Because the apostles got credit for laying the foundation. So what Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying is that foundation that's being laid by the apostles, that's credible. So when we follow the same thing that the apostles said they laid, we now see ourselves and understand that we are apostolics because we're following the laying of the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And so we can say, since the apostles were given the head nod, and yes, you are laying the right foundation, and so now we follow them and we can say, we are apostolics. We're not taken away from Jesus because we know he is the foundation. But he is so good. We say he's good, but we had no clue how good. He's always wrapping himself up with us. This holy God, Joan, wants to wrap himself up with old dirty us. He is so good. Because he always want to be intertwined with us. And so he's got this thing where foundation, apostles, and then I'll be the chief cornerstone. He's all in it. His, his, his fabric, his fiber is all in it. The Lord is truly amazing. He's truly amazing. And he has given us a heritage. The Lord Jesus is the cornerstone. He says, built upon the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The Lord Jesus is called the cornerstone because the whole edifice rests on him. Or he occupies the place relatively as important as the cornerstone of the edifice. So, if you really want to look at it clearly, 
He is the foundation and he's the cornerstone. He is, what he's telling us is the Apostle Paul used a building to describe the church. And he's showing you how when a building is being built, we're the most important places of the building. I'm not a builder. I don't know nothing about building. Y'all know, feel, I told y'all, y'all feel my hands out soft there, right? Don't know nothing about no mixing no mortar and pushing no wheelbarrows and building nothing and doing no cement. It ain't here. So I don't know nothing about building. So whatever I'm telling you, it's revelation of the word of God, okay? And so I know now just by reading the word of God, the most important part of a building, foundation and cornerstone. Only because I know who Jesus is. If I didn't know Jesus, I wouldn't know that I'd still be ignorant about building and still not working hard. So hear me today. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, you have a heritage and you need to embrace it. You don't need to feel any sort of way about being a Pentecostal apostolic, talking with tongues, living holy, being holy, being righteous, loving people, dressing a certain way, carrying yourself a certain It's your heritage. Why are you running away from it? The rich people go through all kind of stuff to maintain their riches. The kids live miserable lives and go through. How many times you, you, you either see a movie or you hear the story about kids saying, I hate my life, but if I don't do this, my parents cut me off. Is that what y'all doing? I hate my life, but if I don't do it, Jesus cut me off. The difference between Jesus and your parents or their parents is their parents don't know that's how they think. Jesus know everything about your thoughts. So you can't say, I'm doing this because I don't want to be cut off. You already cut off if that's what you're thinking. You have a heritage. And you need to embrace it. And so, verse 21, and here I go, you, you can stand. Every born-again believer, you have a heritage. If you're not born again, you can become born again. I hope I've taught enough about who Jesus is that you have received the revelation of who Jesus is. But if you have received the understanding, the revelation of who Jesus is, you need to give your life to God. Listen. Don't get confused with the love of God versus the plan of God. What are you saying, preacher? Because God is always showing you love. I've said this before. Because God is always showing you love, it doesn't mean you're okay. I love my kids even when they are not being good. But it don't mean they're in good standings with me. And sometimes we confuse God's love that's moving on us and demonstrating how he demonstrates his love to us. We think we're in good standings. No, it doesn't mean that. He just had that kind of love. 
that we all strive to have as parents, at least starting with that, where our kids act crazy and foolish and do wrong things. And we say, but that's mine. I love them. And that's what he does for you. But I don't want you to confuse that with you're you're okay. He is loving you to pull you into that right relationship with him. So for us to become a part of his family, fellow citizen, so we can put ourselves in position to have the inheritance so we can begin to pass it to other people and family members, we must be born again. And when we become born again and start to possess this, this, this heritage, we have the opportunity to pass it on. But we have to start at being born again. In verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 2, verse says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto holy temple in the Lord. Let me just add this last part, let you know. So here's how the building is constructed. The building is constructed that Paul is describing for us to understand what God is doing. He is the foundation that the apostles laid, right? So the apostles' part that they played into it was laying the foundation. That's what them and the prophets did. And then Jesus is holding the building together. And the rest of the building is made up with us. The lively stones. That's what they call us. That's what the Bible says. We're lively stones. So we complete the building. Can you imagine that? We complete the building because we're the lively stones. So you've got the foundation. You've got the apostles and prophets that's working, that established the foundation. They laid it. Jesus is holding it together. And we're the rest of the building that completes it. We are the living epistles. We are the lively stones. But in order to be that, we must be born again. And it says here in verse 22, In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God wants to habitate in your life. You are his habitation. So God is saying, I want to dwell in you. I believe today somebody need to make a decision to become a part of the family of God, become fellow citizens with the saints. The foundation is already laid. It's Jesus Christ. Everything is being kept together. It is him that is the chief cornerstone. How about we be honest with God for about five minutes and get out of here. For the next five minutes, if you will pray and just be honest with the Lord. With everything that you've heard today, what do you need to express to God in prayer in all sincerity and in all honesty? That's what we're going to use the next three to five minutes and do. Just express to our, to our God with all sincerity and all honesty where you fall within the word that you just heard spoken today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord God, that I was able to convey the word of the Lord with clarity, able to convey the word of the Lord as you wanted me to convey it. Now, Lord, we stand before you asking 
that you will purge our hearts, that nothing, Lord God, will enter into our heart that will defile us. And that you'll make our hands clean, that we're able to stand before you, Lord God, and be able, Lord God, to be honest and transparent with you. We cannot lie to you, for you know all things, Lord God. We cannot withhold anything from you because you know all things, Lord. And so today, Lord Jesus, I say, oh God, will you help me to be, oh God, what you want me to be. Father, it is your will that I become a part of your kingdom and receive and embrace my inheritance of being a child of God. Oh, my God. Lord, I embrace my heritage today. And whatever it is that you want me to do to walk in it, oh God, I will. I will, almighty God, I will. For any person in this room today, Lord God, I pray that you will move on them in such a special way that they will sense your love and they will in turn respond by saying, God, whatever you want me to do to embrace my heritage that you have for me, I will. Church, this is your hour. This is your opportunity to embrace your heritage. Even if you have not yet possessed your heritage, God is calling you now to take that next step. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in His name. Be filled with His Spirit and follow after Him. Embrace your heritage. Live out your life, your best life in Christ Jesus. And pass it on to your family and all others that you will encounter. Because this is the will of God. Father, I pray today that you will help us. That we will walk out of this place, Lord Jesus, differently than how we came in. And that the will of God may be done. And the power of God will work within us. Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, that we would love you like you love us. That's our desire, that we could love you the way you love us. That we could be sacrifice or sacrificial to you as you have been sacrificial to us. That we could give ourselves to you as you have given yourself to us. That we could be proud of this heritage in Christ Jesus more than anything else in this world or out of this world. Father, we love you. We thank you. I feel His power in this place. God's power is in this place. God's power is in this house. Oh, Whatever you need at this moment, will you ask the Lord? Whatever you need in Christ Jesus right now, will you just ask Him? He's here to do it. He's here to perform it. Whatever it is in Christ Jesus you need, He's here to do it. Just ask. Just speak the word 